You're listening to the Rockford Symphony Orchestra podcast, where we look to inform about our upcoming events and give insight to behind-the-scenes happenings at the RSO. This is Phil Davidson, and I am absolutely thrilled to be back in the podcast studio with the Rockford Symphony's new music director, Yaniv Attar. Yaniv, it... uh, it seems like a couple of centuries ago, <laughs> during the uh, director candidate finalist, you were the first one, and we did our first podcast together. I don't know what was that two, three years ago. <laughs> that was uh, eighteen months ago. Yeah, eighteen months. Hard to believe. Well, let me give you this piece of information. I applied for the job. Next month is going to be four years since oh I applied. Gosh. So yeah, amazing what COVID kind of did. <laughs> exactly. There, yeah. Well, and now here you are kicking off your first season, so welcome. Thank you. Your first program it is uh, appropriately titled Yaniv Attar's RSO Debut. <laughs> yes. It happens this Saturday, 7.30 p.m., of course, at the Coronado Performing Arts Center. And before we get into the actual program, let me ask you how you have found Rockford to be now that you have spent some time here. Yeah, you know, when I first came here, uh, January 2022, it was it was very concise, but I didn't get to see a lot of people because it was the middle of the pandemic. Um, but since I was announced as music director in January, uh, I've been coming to Rockford regularly, meeting with the board, with patrons, with the wonderful staff, um, and... Everything that I was either told or read about or experienced a little bit when I was here in Rockford the first time, I just saw more of it. Uh, I saw incredibly dedicated board and staff. I mean, I really love working with them. Uh, it's It's a really great organization. I even found out even more how incredibly artistic Rockford is. Uh, and it's not just music. The love of arts uh, and music and dance and visual arts and and poetry, no matter you name it, is really unbelievable. You you wouldn't think in a you know in a I don't want to say small town because Rockford is not that small. I come from a small town, <laughs> but but still you wouldn't expect it. And uh, and I think that's that's why you have a symphony orchestra here for ninety years. This is why. So you got here, I believe, yesterday during the heat wave. (laughs) Yes. So when you come into town for a week or however long, what is a typical schedule for you? So, you know, a lot of the work during regular time is done is done remotely, emails, Zoom, phone calls, etc. I mean, most of my work is obviously studying scores, so I am, I'm in my little man cave <laughs> at home. Um, but when I come here, everything is so concise. This week, uh, clearly, it's going to be a lot of media interviews. Uh, I've already had a TV show interview and a radio show, a few more coming up. Um, you know, meeting with the uh, stagehand people at the Coronado to see that the setup is, is well done. Obviously, rehearsals every night mm-hmm. and meetings and, and uh, yeah, just, you know, big preparation for the, for the debut night. That's, that's typically what's going to happen on, on those visits. Okay. Sounds like a busy schedule. Yes, hey. it is. <laughs> so, uh, so let's look at Saturday's performance. How did you go about selecting the musical pieces for Saturday? You know, normally, um, normally the 
programming would be done uh, way in advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time I was an Ansel's music director, you should have we should have had already the program set for this coming season. Uh, but you know, of course, they couldn't do that. So um, we have an artistic committee, and I quickly had to, you know, uh, uh, come up with a draft of programs. And in one of my visits here, uh, I met with a committee. We went through it, and uh, you know, decided what which one of those programs will be suited better for the orchestra, for the audience, etc. And uh, you know, for the very first concert, I wanted to bring, uh, of course, pieces that will be close to me and my musical taste, so I can show a little bit of my programming uh, to Rockford, but also to open with a bang and bring a lot of energy that will hopefully set the mood for the rest of the season. Well, speaking of energy, the first selection <laughs> right. is John Astacio's Frenergy for Orchestra. Uh, I think he's a Canadian composer. Tell us about him. I know he's re- received a lot of recognitions. Yes, he received many awards, including the, uh, I think it's called Juno Award, which is a big award in Canada. Um, And what's so impressive about his career that he was a composer in residence for several orchestras. I think Edmonton is the is the longest residency. It was, I think, eight or nine years, uh, which is great because... During that period of time, you can establish a lot of relationship with the orchestra, and he wrote a lot of music during those years. Uh, Fantastic composer. When we hear the title, Frenergy, I get the idea that we're not going to be hearing a lullaby. (laughs) (laughs) How did the title come about, and and what, what are we going to hear? As not a native English speaker, I didn't even know that it was it wasn't a real word. Uh, and I tried to look it up, and I couldn't find anything. <laughs> so the frenergy is the combination of the word frantic and energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I would emphasize uh, less on the frantic and more on the energy. Uh, I'm sure the players will be frantic playing all these notes he wrote, but the energy is the key word for this. And there is an abundance of energy in this piece, which is, it just doesn't stop. It's like that Energizer bunny that doesn't stop. You remember that those mm-hmm. commercial? And I think this is the most important thing that I wanted to bring uh, into the orchestra in the new chapter, and that's uh, renewed energy. And this piece just doesn't stop. It's it's so much fun to play. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's going to be a wonderful uh, season opener. So we probably won't be able to take a breath when we hear it because it sounds no. like there's so much energy in it. But it's short. It's very short. <laughs> Oh, it is a short piece. I think it's about five minutes. Oh, really? Mm, Okay. Very concise. Well, now, Frenergy and the second piece on the program are sort of related in a way. So, and not in a musical way. I mean, there's two different composers, John Astacio, and the next piece is by Beethoven. But John wrote a triple concerto uh, Mm -hmm. in his life for the same combination of the Beethoven triple concerto. But for the last movement of John's uh, concerto, uh, the material he used was the main material he uses for this concert overture, uh, Frenergy. So we're playing uh, another triple concerto, not by John Astacio. This one is going to be by Beethoven, but that triple connection is definitely there. Okay, so well, let's move on to Beethoven's concerto for piano, violin, cello, and orchestra, which is referred to as a triple concerto. Of course, Beethoven was a master at revolutionizing classical forms. So would you give us some background on how Beethoven came to develop this piece 
that features three soloists rather than just one. Beethoven, he didn't write many concertos in general. We have five piano concertos, only one violin concerto, and he never wrote a cello concerto. Hmm. And I think this piece for cello, piano, and violin is probably the closest you would get to a cello concerto. Uh, the, ch- the cello part is so high, sometimes uh, we joke it's, re- it's referred to as the concerto for two violins and piano. Um, <laughs> And, you know, for, for, I mean, for Beethoven to, maybe he was afraid to write for, for the instrument. Um, I'm not sure that so this is why he brings it to a chamber ensemble. So it's, it's really a concerto for, for a chamber music group, an orchestra, which is so rare. When you think of, of Baroque period, you had composer at that time, it was pretty common to write a concerto, concerto grosso, concerto, you know, for a trio of instruments. Uh, in the classical, early classical period, and of course in the Romantic period, this has been gone because the focus was really on an individual, one instrument to shine. There are not many concertos for two instruments, even. I can think of the Brahms double, but he didn't write for anything else. Um, so Beethoven, to write a concerto for three inter- instruments is pretty rare. Uh, and he wrote it for, um, I mean, the piano part was for one of his students uh, who wanted to play something. So maybe it was, you know, easier for the student to hide when it's a chamber ensemble. Uh, but this is how the piece was born uh, and, and known as the triple. Well, you have three soloists Correct. involved. Can you tell us about them? Yeah. Uh, we have pianist Jessica Cho, uh, who is um, now lives in Chicago, but I've known Jessica for over 20 years. We were students together at Juilliard, and she probably the most, um, uh, the pianist I've collaborated most throughout my musical career. I love her playing. Uh, the cellist is uh, Israeli cellist Amir Eldan, who is currently um, teaches at the University of Michigan. He used to be the assistant principal cellist at the Met Orchestra, um, and he's a phenomenal cellist. Uh, I can't wait to uh, uh, see him. We haven't seen each other in 20 years, mm-hmm. um, and he is just a phenomenal cellist. And the violinist is our very own concertmaster, Michelle Akas, and I'm really excited to feature her in this in this concerto. The Triple Concerto was uh, created during the heroic period. As, right. So what is that? <laughs> <laughs> the opus number for, for the Triple Concerto is 56. 55 is Beethoven's Eroica Symphony. Oh, I see. And the Eroica Symphony is my favorite symphony. It's the symphony that I think changed the symphonic uh, genre forever. I mean, Beethoven's first symphony was groundbreaking, in the second symphony, a little bit more, but the distance from that to the third symphony is just enormous. Nothing like this has ever been written before. And during that period, he wrote other pieces that were groundbreaking, the Waldstein Sonata, Passionata Sonata, the Rosimovsky String Quartets, but I think the Eroica is really a big part of it. And I think it's you. It's very common with Beethoven after he writes things that are very groundbreaking and revolutionary, then he takes a step back as if he maybe he's like saying, maybe I've gone too far. <laughs> so like, you know, the third symphony is so groundbreaking, but then the fourth symphony, he goes back to a little bit of the past. Um, with a concerto as well, you know, it's, it's, so it's almost like a homage to, to Baroque with a trio part, but also something revolutionary with, you know, a concerto for trio. Um, so there's always this kind of ambivalence with Beethoven. I see. So let's move on to the final selection. Mm-hmm. 
Symphony Number no. 1 in D Major by Gustav Mahler, uh, it's often called the Titan. He spent a great deal of his time as a conductor to make a living. Is that correct? That's correct. I mean, he wasn't known very much as a composer I mean, like he is today. You know, most of his life, I mean, he was a conductor. He is really the one responsible for a lot of the concert etiquette we have today and for really raising the level of orchestras. He was a very demanding conductor. And actually, you can see that in his music because Mahler as a conductor, he did not trust musicians. (laughs) More than any other composer I can think of, his scores are full of markings of not what to do, uh, uh, but what not to do. Oh my he gosh. tells musicians, don't rush, don't do this, don't do that. He knew exactly as a conductor what the tendencies are. Uh, but of course, his aspiration was to change the role of music with his compositions, and he did that with only 10 symphonies. That's all he wrote, huh? And the 10th wasn't even completed, yes. My goodness. And then, of course, his works gained quite a bit of popularity, but it was after relatively way a after lot his of death. Mainly, I mean, mainly thanks to a conductor named Leonard Bernstein, who really was a big part of the uh, renaissance of his music. But it, it took time; it took a long time. Well, Symphony Number no. One uh, is made up, I believe, of four movements, which, uh, as described, seem quite unique from each other. It incorporates things like simple songs and sometimes even sort of folk melodies. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so in, in his very first symphony, uh, Mahler is being very, very personal in a way that it's almost a autobiographical composition. Uh, he uses in this symphony songs that he wrote um, uh, previously from Songs of Wayfarer. It's music that he wrote after being heartbroken by a woman named Johanna Richter, which he had an affair with. And he wrote the music, the two songs of a wayfarer, and he wrote the words. So it's interesting in this in the movements of the work to, to see in which part of the songs uh, he uses. For example, in the third movement, there's a very sad part. And if you look at what the words are in the song from that particular melody, is I will never see these blue eyes again. Mm. So it's it's this kind of connection. In the first movement, the, the main theme of the first movement is incredibly happy. And, you know, in the song, he talks about walking in, the, in nature, in the forest, and the awakening of nature. And you can hear it in his music, but it's a very autobiographical uh, symphony. That sounds very interesting. And something else that's interesting is that you are going to continue the tradition of sound bites prior to the performance. Would you give us the details on sound bites? Yes, I'm so glad that this uh, tradition is continuing because it's so much fun. Uh, on Friday at uh, at 12 p.m., I will be interviewing the guest artists. And this, because we have three soloists, I couldn't interview all of them. Uh, we will have the cellist, Amir Aldan, join us for, um, uh, for the interview. And we will talk about the concerto and about the program a little bit and about Amir as, a, as an artist. And there's great food. Uh, which is always nice. I mean, good food, good music, and interesting artists. What more can you ask? And where is it? Monetisi? Yes, that's the one. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's hard to pronounce for some people. Right. Monetisi. Monetisi, there you Very go. Good. So, 
We have Estacio, and we have Beethoven, and we have Mahler. Sounds like fantastic, energetic sounds and musical experiences during Yaniva Tar's RSO debut this Saturday, 7.30 p.m. at the Coronado Performing Arts Center. And if you would like more information about this concert, tickets, sound bites, anything else, you can go to rockfordsymphony.com. Or you can call 815-965-0049. This is Phil Davidson and... Ian Tar. Thank you for listening. I can't wait to see you.